This is Hemet. And Jessica. And you're listening to the Friendly Atheist Podcast. Please go to patreon.com slash friendly atheist podcast to support the show. Five bucks a month, you get ad-free episodes and access to a bonus episode, Mm -hmm. and we appreciate it. There's also a Discord group, a Facebook uh, group that's private Mm -hmm. um, for people who support the show. Those links are in the show notes. Hello. Hi. Hi. There's so much happening. Yeah, we got a heart out today. This is so much. Let's Um, just rip into it. And really quick, before we start, uh, we're recording this on a Friday. If any of you enjoy doing crossword puzzles in the New York Times, Saturday's puzzle tomorrow is written by myself um it'll be live friday night let me know how much you struggled at solving it it would make me happy last time i think it genuinely took me two hours i was watching a movie while i was trying to do it but (laughs) i'm not sure how much that actually hurt me i think i'm just bad at crosswords Um, i will also on the 27th i will be in Ontario at Baja Con, B-A-H-A Con, and the week after September 3rd. Everybody nope, shut nope, up. Nope. Nope. That Doesn't is Baja it. Baja mean beach in Spanish? Uh different spelling. Yes, it stands for something else. Okay. Baja Con tickets are available. Go get them. And on September 3rd, I'll be in Louisville, Kentucky for the Kentucky Free Thought Convention. Yay. And if you go on that website, Uh, and use the promo code FRIENDLY, you can get a discount on those tickets. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. There's so much to start with. Let me, you know what happened last week we did not get to discuss because it happened after we recorded Salman Rushdie was attacked on stage. What the fuck was was that? That was a week ago. Um, The basic premise here is he was just speaking at a literary event in New York, Mm -hmm. and a man basically rushed the stage. Rushed the stage? Um, Shut up, sorry. No, not a place for a joke. Serious, I'm sorry, everybody. (laughs) And basically attacked the guy. Uh, As far as we know as of this moment, he's on the mend. Uh He's recovering. He is talking. He lost an eye? Uh, that is what I heard initially. I don't know how serious his condition oh, is okay. at this point. I thought I saw a tweet from his daughter like, who said that. Yeah, there's that was like one of the initial things. Like he's seriously injured. Mm-hmm. We just don't know what that means. He's, I think, 75. We don't know what yeah. that means at this point for his long-term health. But he's alive, which is kind of the important thing. So not everybody, I don't think, know. So I know Salman Rushdie through the Satanic ver- Verses? Yeah. Verses. Um, and all the controversy controversy yeah. that brought up. But frankly, he, I, I've never read them. I don't know much about him as a person. Can you give us a... Yeah. Let's point? talk about this because it, it. I think Lost in the Shuffle is... Why the hell is this guy under attack? You may have heard that he had a fatwa put on him in 1989 when right. the book... Uh, shortly after the book came out. That was from Ayatollah Khomeini, who was like the... Uh, this... And Islamic a fatwa is essentially leader. an order to... In this case, it's a religious order to kill Rushdie. Okay. Not all fatwas are like that, but that's what this one okay. was. And the guy who issued it died, but his successor never really repealed it. And in I fact, see. it kind of just came back. Like, he never took it away, so mm. it was kind of still in effect. But over time, like, you would imagine the passage of time just kind of okay, no one's going after him anymore. Right. Can he ignore it? And that means if he goes to give public lectures and stuff, you have to wonder, like, how much security do you need at an event like that? Right. How much does he walk around with? And by and large, it's been so many decades. It's been decades now that it's like he can just go to these things on his own without extra security. Uh, and yeah, this felt like fine. a very, like, 80s and 90s thing that he was under threat and he was, like, a big name of of somebody who was constantly in danger. Yeah, he's more famous out. for the fatwa than he is of his books, which oh, have received a lot of prizes and accolades over the years. And right. it's like, that's not what anyone remembers. So this is what I wanted to talk about, because in every article I've read about him, they just touch on the fact that it the fatwa had to do with the satanic verses. But like, do we know what the satanic verses are? are what's the, the reference to? So here's a version of this story uh, I'm trying to tell you to you in short form as best I can, mm-hmm. so forgive me if I make any mistakes here. But the legend of Muhammad, the um, prophet of Islam, there is a legend that crops up. How true is it? But the legend basically <laughs> goes any of it. like this. In uh, the city of Mecca, 
there used to be like three statues, three goddesses that people would basically pray to and they would give money through the statues. It's like a form of a tax when people were trading goods and whatnot. And at the time, Muhammad also was a dude who liked solitude. And so he would go up on a mountain and spend weeks at a time living there. Mm-hmm. And the story goes that when he was 40 years old, an angel named basically Gabriel uh, told him up on the hill a bunch of verses that eventually became the Quran. Mm-hmm. And the story that's important here is that at one point, Muhammad comes down from the mountain and says that this angel told him, referring to those three statues of the goddesses, mm-hmm. that the angel told me, they are the exalted birds and their intercession is desired indeed. Basically, those goddesses are awesome. We mm-hmm. should pray to them. It's a good thing. Yeah. Which made everyone in the city happy because that's kind of what they We're already did. this so long. Yeah. But then at some point in the future, uh-huh. Muhammad comes back down from the mountain and tells everyone, you guys, I thought the angel told that to me. Uh-oh. It was actually the devil oh, who geez. said that in disguise as the angel. Classic devilry. Mm-hmm. And that was not true. Mm. What they, what the angel actually wanted to say to me is, you know, those goddesses, they are but names which you and your fathers have invented. God has vested no authority in them. Basically saying, don't do this polytheism thing mm. that we've been doing. It's monotheism, worship Allah, things like that. That's the gist of a story and a version of that what made it into the book called the Satanic Verses. What are the Satanic Verses? They are the verses that the devil allegedly told Muhammad that he later said it wasn't the devil. Like, that was the devil. The angel actually told me this other thing, and that's what we need to follow. Okay. So those are that's the reference the book is making there, because that story pops up in the book called the Satanic Verses. Is it a novel? Yeah, it's a novel. Fictionalized novel and stuff. But the thing that comes up about that legend is like, well, how long was it between the devil saying this thing and then the actual angel saying this thing? How come he accepted the first polytheistic version of that story? Mm -hmm. Um, And like, what's the deal? Like the fact that this prophet accepted the polytheistic version of the story, Mm -hmm. even though he later recanted it and said that wasn't really what the angel wanted me to say to you, it suggests that at least for a time he was tempted by the devil. He flirted with polytheism. And that's the thing. And he was able to be fooled, which doesn't feel great for a prophet. The interesting thing is the Quran actually talks about how prophets were tested by temptation. I remember that with Jesus. No one's free of this. And the thing is, like, if you look at the broader arc of the story... Muhammad comes out looking pretty good because he says, yeah, he said this to me, but I was wrong. Mm. It wasn't the angel. The angel actually told me the right thing. So by and large, you would think. You and I like to admit when we're wrong. Mm -hmm. I don't know if everybody else feels (laughs) as good about admitting when you're wrong. Is that maybe a a sticking point? That's kind of the idea. And that's kind of the argument Rushdie made, too. It's like if you're mad at me for suggesting that the character that's based on Muhammad flirted with polytheism, that's not how the story ends. Right. Like, it ends in a way Muslims would, you would think they would be fine with. Uh, Yeah, and even if they were mad, it's from the Quran, so, like... (laughs) Well, so this is the legend that comes with historians who are documenting it. That's why it's, like, Mm. it's not written in stone. This is something... saying it's a fictionalized account that he wrote (laughs) and they took it a little too seriously? Yeah, so Uh, this is uh what the uh fatwa was based on, which Rusty was like, but that's not even what I wrote. (laughs) And yet he's if had this. You're gonna be mad at me if you're mad at me for the right reasons. Right. And yet this has hung over him for sure. this long. His entire life, obviously. Um, the guy who ended up attacking him, a 24 year old person, he's currently in jail. Mm. He is not being released on bail. He's not allowed to give any interviews. Where did this take place again? This took place in, uh, was it Chappaqua? New York. Some part of New York where there was a oh, literary so was in festival US. going Got on. It. In the U.S., yeah. And the thing is, like, this guy was 24, and I think the story is he spent some time in the Middle East and came back. Like, even his mother was like, the hell? I want nothing to do with this. Good for her. Yeah, she she 
didn't raise him like this. She said, you know, I didn't know this was going to happen. But basically, this guy got radicalized at some point, decided this was the way to take it out. I should say. Was he raised muscle? I don't actually know. Okay. Or, or if he was what type sure, of sure, Islam sure. it was. But the like, he hasn't officially said a motive yet. Mm. It's not like they've talked to him and said, yeah, this is definitively the reason. We're all just assuming sure. that he got radicalized, accepted that this was a thing he had to do uh-huh. for religious reasons. Um, but technically speaking, we don't actually know that for a fact. Um, but yeah, that is what has happened. I mean, it is insane that at a time that today still someone is being theoretically it looks like attacked for something he wrote right something he doesn't even necessarily say you all have to believe just like this is a story and yet he told a story and they're so mad about it that they ruined his life and meanwhile what are conservatives freaking out about it's well libraries are under attack because they offer books with subject matter people don't like Mm. you hear i mean drag queen story hours are facing violent resistance and stuff and yet i'm looking at like the conservative side they're all saying see this is what cancel culture looks like this is what it looks like when someone's attacked for what they say and most of the liberals pretty much every liberal i've seen is like yeah, that's what it actually is. Yeah, exactly. Like, what do you... Offering a book that talks about sex in a frank way is not the same thing. And yet you're trying to stop that. You're resorting y- to violence. Y'all are the... The thing is, they don't realize that they are, like, that guy. They're the stabbing guy, not the guy who's yeah. getting stabbed. Just because you haven't gone through with the violence, the threats are not helping. Yeah. You guys so, are the perpetrator of these like threats, not the victims of them, you yeah. absolute ass clowns. Blasphemy is a victimless crime, as the saying goes. And like free speech, when it challenges tradition, should be defended mm-hmm. at all costs. And by the way, that goes for criticism too. Fair, verb, like <laughs> not violent Criticism, like reacting with censorship or violence should be condemned by everyone. Uh I'm just amazed by people saying things like, you know, liberals don't like this sort of criticism and look where it led. It's buddy. We're for more books. We're for more talk, more free speech. Criticizing things. Yeah. Um, But what I I (laughs) hope it gets better. I hope he gets better. Yeah. Here's Um, hoping. If you are looking for something to read, the thing I would suggest more than anything else uh, about a decade ago, Rushdie wrote a book called Joseph Anton, which is basically his memoir of being the subject of the fatwa. Oh. And he really wrote about like, because he kind of had to disappear off the map for a sure. good chunk of time. And he writes about what did that actually look like in practice? Mm-hmm. How did he communicate with this family? This is 89. Like, you yeah. can't just text them or something yeah he had security detail what did that look like just a really interesting account i'll leave a link to that in the show notes as well and that memoir even if you don't even if you're not a fan of the fictionalized books the novels that he writes that story is is really something do you think um if the book had not been called the satanic verses we would be in the same spot It's a good question. I don't know. And the weird thing is, like, initially when the book came out, Mm -hmm. it just got a series of, like, some critics liked it, some didn't like it. No one referenced the thing that eventually became the focal point of the book. Sure. It was just a, yeah, it's a novel. It's all right. Some people loved it. Mm -hmm. It started getting awards and all that stuff, as famous novels eventually do. But, like, it wasn't controversial until certain people decided it was controversial. So I'm wondering if he called it something different, if this never would have, even like if all the content was the same, but he called them the false verses or yeah. something like that. And I think that is one of the things is it's not actually the legend doesn't refer to them as the satanic verses. It goes by a different name. Mm. But again, he's writing a novel. He's yeah. writing. It's fiction. So uh, just an insane story. Wow. And, and I will say that, it's one thing I've seen a lot of the a lot of the people who are on the right, the secular conservatives who are like, you're too woke. You care about social justice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this okay. issue, the Salman Rushdie stuff is one thing I've seen that basically unites every faction of non-religious people mm-hmm. and plenty of religious ones, too, yeah. that I've seen, which is just like awful, horrible. We defend his free speech rights. Mm-hmm. We are appalled by what happened here. Everyone wants to claim him as their own at this point, which 
fine, good. Whatever. Yeah. Like I'm all for supporting him and his ability to write these books. Right. Um, let me jump to something lighter because just to just cause, <laughs> um, a lot of times I'll post on Twitter about, you know, crazy preachers saying crazy things because they do. But usually we're talking about relatively fringy sort of right. preachers. There is a guy named Ed Young in Texas who runs one of the largest churches, uh, evangelical megachurches in the country, Fellowship Church. Um, this guy is not fringe. He is, if you imagine a stereotypical Christian evangelical preacher, he's kind of the dude who comes to mind. It's like, uh-huh. let me try to be hip and cool and sell you some I'm gonna Jesus. Play an acoustic guitar and sit in a chair backwards. Yeah, and I have an earring, so you, I get it. If you look at the videos of his sermons, very visually appealing. Colors are there. He's talking to you like he's your buddy before telling you why you're going to hell. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's all that sort of thing. And so he delivered a sermon about the problem of wokeism. 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 Yes. Um, Which he had a specific definition of. Um, I want to see if I could pull up the definition. His definition. Uh um, And by the way, he said he, he put together this definition after consulting with you know, several Christian and atheist thinkers. It's oh, like, oh, you know really? a lot of those, bud? Yeah, tell, could you, tell me. Could you give me a list of your names? I'm assuming it's James Lindsay, who's this right-wing troll, oh. um, who whose stuff, he's like, I'm I'm non-religious. I'm speaking whatever's reasonable well, and But rational. we all know you can't trust somebody but with two first names. Literally, he speaks at like Southern Baptist conferences to oh. convince them to go harder to the right and stuff like that. Anyway, just, just say it's James Lindsay. I know that's who you were thinking. Of. Anyway, here's Ed Young's definition of woke. It's an authoritarian worldview that seeks to deconstruct the foundations of our Christian faith by overwhelming, overpowering, and overthrowing those who do not adhere to its ideology. Genuinely, the self-centeredness sometimes is my favorite part. <laughs> Wokeism is against us. Yeah, exactly. Like, is. buddy, nobody cares about you. <laughs> um, hey, Hammond. Yeah. If you could strike one word from the English language, would it be woke or canceled? Ooh. Like in the terms of the way the right yeah. bandies them about. I think woke has to, every time I hear, I I so never hear it anymore in a way that doesn't make my eyes roll. Uh, but yeah, but every time I hear that somebody's canceled, it's yeah. just that like, somebody was like, hey, you shouldn't be a dick. <laughs> and they're like, he was canceled. Right, right. Uh, apparently the biggest problem we face in society is whether people with really dumb ideas yeah. have a right to speak at college campuses across the yeah, country. Yeah, whether or not Jordan Peterson can just <laughs> run through the streets screaming his dumb <laughs> shit or not. Yeah. So the, I mean, a better definition of woke, I guess, would be someone who's alert to injustice mm-hmm. and discrimination in society. Mm. I grabbed that from a dictionary. That's not what Ed Young said. He gave a different one. Wait, and then so it's after, de- dismantling Christianity it does, it or whatever? Stupid. Okay. But yeah, after he said his own made-up definition, yeah, yeah. he followed it up by saying, wow, that's pretty heavy. Like yeah, reacting God. to the thing he just made up. Yeah. Hemant, <laughs> my house is actually a spaceship. Wow. Pretty heavy, huh? <laughs> Can you believe it? Can you believe what I just said? Yeah. My house is a spaceship. He then Real added, heavy shit, guys. <laughs> he then added, if Come I had to me. define wokeism in one word, it would be paganism. Two words, oh. moral superiority. Actually, that one he <laughs> nailed. Actually, I do think that people who care about social justice are uh, morally superior to others. Yes, congratulations. Over the course of his 30-minute sermon, I heard him refer to wokeism as a cult, Mm. uh, satanic, like I mentioned, Mm. racist against white people. Oh, I love that Um, one. And of course, what's the solution to wokeism? Take Uh, a guess. Take a guess. Those red cloaks? Jesus. Oh. Jesus is always the answer. He never points out how Christians have historically perpetuated racism. Uh -uh. He never talks about how it actually addresses some serious deficiencies in our education and Uh like trying to get kids to understand what our country was actually like and yeah. is and how it still affects how it is now that stuff might actually be useful. God, people are so afraid of admitting that they're they didn't get to where they are just 
through like the sweat of their brow. <laughs> it genuinely seems like that is like the most, the biggest insult somebody can bandy upon like a rich white dude is like, did you know that you had some privileges to help you get where you are? What? Why are you anti-white? You mean I inherited this business <laughs> as if any, I was Ed born Young, by the way. into this family this, by the sweat of my brow. This is Ed Young Jr., his daddy is also a famous pastor. Where do you think he Ew, got I his I really start? wish you know he I mean? didn't say daddy. Sorry. Um, he also pointed out in this sermon, elementary schools are hosting drag queen shows and making kids read pornographic books. Ooh, what books? And the th- Yeah, right? Actually, and the- true story, I hella read a pornographic book in high school. I think I've told the story before. Go ahead. What was the name of it? It was called Night Pleasures. Um, <laughs> it was a vampire book that we picked out in our pop lit class, and I tried to tell everybody, guys, this is a romance novel. They're like, no, it's a cool thing about vampires. And I was like, great. And I still have the book. It shows up in the box because it's the 2000. 2004, and it's just a guy's naked torso on the cover. It was the <laughs> best moment of my entire life. I'll put a picture of it on the I don't remember that on one Facebook in the page. curriculum that I went through. <laughs> um, just FYI, if you're not familiar with Ed Young, this is a guy who, if you search on YouTube, you will find a decade-plus-old sermon from this guy literally asking his congregation, <laughs> the dogs know him, uh, asking his congregation to give him direct access to their bank accounts Jess just handed me the book, There's a Man's Naked Torso, uh-huh. on the cover. Check out that binding. I've read it five times. Jesus, you really have. I actually read it less, <laughs> less like five years ago. It's hysterical. It's actually not, it's bad, but he it's not bad. for their bank accounts. Oh, yeah, yeah. He created a sermon series comparing God to the kind of drones used in war with a trailer to go with it. Wait, wait, wait what? This is Ed Young. Who's a drone? Uh, God. Oh. Um, he spent 24 hours on the roof of his church in a bed with his wife as a publicity stunt to promote married sex. John Lennon did that like 40 (laughs) years ago. Uh, He also told couples to basically force themselves to sleep with their spouse every day for a week, which... Like have sex with their spouse every day for a week? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I didn't like how he's doing that. I'm busy and tired. (laughs) Yeah, and then there was the whole uh, he takes a corporate jet for personal vacations and he makes uh, raps yeah, they're exactly as bad as you think they would be. A hip, uh-huh. Um, a hip, but anyway, hip, hip, wokeism hip, is his latest thing. That is utterly incredible. Um, I really love these gentlemen who take private planes everywhere. <laughs> it's just so nakedly greedy. Like, commercials never, guys. Uh, let me talk about what happened in Fargo, North Dakota, because this happened last week. And then as we're putting they this show together. They found a body in a wood chipper. That's a different version of this okay. story. Okay. Spoiler alert for the movie Fargo, I guess. <laughs> um, I was, this happened last week. And then like last night, there was an update to this story. Here's what happened last week. Um, it Fargo School Board, North Dakota, mm. big public school district. Um, it turns out that in April, a guy on this nine-person school board said we should have the Pledge of Allegiance at school board meetings, and they voted, and they decided to do it. That was April. This board member then got not reelected in June, so we have a different crop of nine board members, slightly different crop. Just but really quick, yes. I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. Nine, this is school board member? School board, yep. I just feel like if I went through all the work to get elected onto my local school board, I would be worried about like curriculum and you would like staffing issues and safety and nope, things gotta like that. say under God. Is this to begin really how? This is honestly like well, the frustrating thing about Republicanism is this, like you you get the you're, you're obsessed take with all power. This back. You get the power and you're like, I'm gonna make everybody stand for thirty seconds. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and this is what came up at this discussion last week at the regular board meeting, because one of the board members said, I want to make a motion to stop saying the pledge, basically for the reasons you just said. We actually have work to do. Mm -hmm. We want to work with, we want to help the students. And I'm sure they have a lot of their own issues in their school district, as every school district does. Mm -hmm. He's like, why are we doing this? Not only is it a waste of 30 seconds, whatever, it's 30 seconds. One of the board members, Seth Holden, actually gave a really great speech defending why they should get rid of it. He pointed out the words under God 
I mean, it shouldn't be there. He said the text is clearly referring to the Judeo-Christian God. Therefore, it does not include any other faiths such as Islam, Hinduism, Buddhism, all of which are practiced by our staff and students. Mm -hmm. Even atheists and agnostics are excluded. Mm -hmm. It's a non-inclusionary act. So the under God thing doesn't belong. And if you say it's it's not about Christianity, it's just mm-hmm. God. Well, that's still excluded. Yeah. And he goes through the history and says it's totally about Christianity. Yeah. Yes. He goes on to say, like, our board has a policy that board members should be honest. Mm. And he said reciting a pledge that contains untrue statements, like that we have liberty and justice for all, would be the board members lying to the community, and he yeah. didn't want to do that. So he gives all these good reasons that are not brand new. We've talked about sure. them before. But he basically said, why are we doing this? Just let's not say the play. It's not like it's tradition, you guys. Right. We just did it starting a couple months ago. Right. So last week, and this surprised me in a good way, they voted 7-2 to two to remove the pledge from their meetings. Wow. It was awesome. Like, And by the way, I should say, this district still has a policy for students that says if you are attend one of their schools, schools are allowed to recite the pledge to begin the school day. The thing they were voting on does not affect kids. No, this it was is just about their the school meetings. board meeting. Yeah. So great. They decided to do that sensible position. They could get to work on the things they actually needed to do. And most of the board members seemed to go right along with it. Great. So that was awesome. Here's what happened shortly after that. People found out what they had done. And within what the course of days, they had done. Yeah, they, the right wing anti like normalcy people, they started leaving. I mean, hate mail. They started sending to the school board members. There was one black member on the school board. Oh, she boy. literally played a voicemail that she got, and it's as bad as you would imagine. No. Like the racism stuff. There is, I mean, swearing, yes, but like also racial slurs and all of that. And she's like, "This is what I'm getting from these people." Um, and everyone got this stuff. So Thursday night this week, they decided, the board presidents, like, we're going to hold a special meeting to discuss what just happened. Mm-hmm. Didn't think it would blow up this big. Right. So they met to discuss it. And, like, the fact that they're meeting really quickly, it's like, well, this is a bad sign. Yeah. So I watched that meeting. And basically, all the same people pointed out, like, one of the guys basically said, It's horrible that we're getting these threats. Mm -hmm. Of course, like philosophically, I do oppose the pledge for the same reasons we talked about. Right. If I'm giving them benefit of the doubt here, what what several of them said is, I still think philosophically we are right to not say the pledge at meetings. What we are here for, (sighs) they said, is we are here for the students. We want to focus on the matters at hand, the things that actually matter. And the fact is, forget the threats for a second. This is all anyone's talking about. Let's take it off the table. Put it back in our meetings. We'll suck it up for 30 seconds so that we can get this off our plate. That's so antithetical to my worldview. I know. I am seething. I hate, like, this kind of bullshit. The black member, Nayamal Day, she's the one member of the board who's shared, played it for everybody, mm-hmm. the, the voicemail she received. And she basically said exactly what you're thinking. Like, we cannot cave in on this matter because then they will win. Then they will know that when another issue comes up, all we need to do is issue these threats to these people. They'll cave. They'll do whatever we want. It sounds like she got it the worst out of anybody. So if she's saying, no, we're not caving, then follow her lead because she's being brave and you guys are being wussy. Even Seth Holden, the guy who I was like, yes, you're saying all the right things the last week, basically said... I want to move on so we can focus on the kids. Like, they're, I'm not even mad at them because their goal is to just get to work for the reason they were elected to office. Mm-hmm. But they, long story short, they all voted eight to one, the one being the one, woman. the woman. Mm-hmm. They voted eight to one to bring the pledge back to their meetings so that they could move so on to the things that matter. And it is disappointing. Like, that's the thing that's frustrating. Because, like, well, what are you going to do now? And what now happens? I'm afraid they're going to get shit from people who are mad that they caved. And so now they're going to be well, getting it from both ends. But the people who sides, are mad that they caved, like people like us, uh-huh. we're not going to send death threats. That's a uniquely Christian right yeah. thing to do. Yeah. So, like, no, they're not going to hear from us. The, the thing that worries me is what's the next battle? 
they're going to fight? What if a parent says, I want to ban these books from the English mm-hmm. curriculum? I want to get rid of the way you're teaching history class and give you a David Barton whitewashed version yeah, I don't think you should history. be able to say gay in the classroom. Right. And oh, what are well, they going to yeah. do when those come up? Are they going to say, well, let's just uh, accept it so we can move on to dealing with other issues? No, like, they're going to fold like a cheap fucking suit. Right. And that's... Which, I mean, that's unfair of me. These are not like professional politicians these are people who are trying to improve their community by doing civil service and they are not they did not get into this to get threats from random white dudes yeah no and that's a really important point because i'm watching i watched it last week and i'm like wow even the ones who are saying why they want to have the pledge at meetings they're very like they're civilly discussing why the other side has this perspective. Mm-hmm. They're not debating it. They're just saying like, okay, I respect what you're saying. Let me give you my reasons for it. I mean, I'm not saying just because it's civil that makes there right. a debate, but like even this time around on Thursday, you could tell these people are saying like, I mean, one guy who spoke at this meeting even said, I don't want to cave into the bullies. I think it's a wrong principle thing to do because we were right to remove the pledge but I apologize because I'm going to vote to put it back in. Like I he just felt can't bad about it. I not do this anymore. Yeah, basically. I know that feeling. Basically. So, Girl, like, man. don't take it out on the board. They're not doing this because they're trying to cave in. They genuinely think that putting this issue aside yeah. will allow them to do better on everything they else have they lives need to do. And jobs and kids <laughs> that they right. need to be taking care of. But That's it is fair. disappointing that the threats worked. I mean, they all basically admitted. The threats worked. Let's just cave in on this issue. I'm paraphrasing. They didn't put no, it this way. But they basically said, we want to help students. This is a side issue. This right. has to do with our meetings, right. not something that affects kids. So let's just move on with it. I mean, it's frustrating because yeah. I still don't know what they're going to do when a real issue that does affect kids comes to the table. I would like mm-hmm. to think they would take a stand in those cases. Yeah. But again, like Where this, did was you say this was this Fargo. Oh, that's right. Like, it's a red state, man. Like, sure. Yeah. I'm not surprised, but also they did the right thing. And then, of course, they, uh, yeah. as soon as people found out about it, they flipped. Yeah, I feel like also like those northern border states, they have a sense of like wild westness among them. So this kind of thing does not like I feel like they all think that the Constitution is a suggestion up there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, OK, let's let's go to the. Another just lightweight story that okay. just made me laugh. There is a pastor uh, in Kansas City, Missouri. His name is Carlton Funderburk. Coolest name ever. He runs a place called Church at the Well in Kansas City, Missouri. Well, apparently earlier this month, he delivered a sermon that is now scrubbed from the Internet everywhere. But it was captured uh, by a tweeter, TikToker named Kansas City Discover. Um, and they managed to get a screen grab of this before it disappeared. And basically, this pastor Carlton, and this is a predominantly black church here, gets in front of the congregation. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm not going to play it because I don't want it to get copyrighted or anything. And oh, then okay. this whole thing gets diluted or something. But here's what he says That's how I know, tell, talking to the congregation. That's how I know you're still poor, broke, busted, and disgusted because of how you've been honoring me. I'm not worth your McDonald's money. I'm not worth your Red Lobster money. I ain't worth your St. John Knits. Y'all can't afford it. No how. I ain't worth your Louis Vuitton. I ain't worth your Prada. I'm not worth your Gucci. You can buy a Movado watch in Sam's, like Sam's Club, Uh and you all know I asked for one last year. (gasps) And here it is, all the whole way in August, I still ain't got it. Oh, goodness. He seems nice. Yeah, basically saying, if you loved me and what I do for you, yeah. you would give me enough money and to buy a luxury watch. By the way, those Movado watches, uh-huh. they run thousands of dollars. Um, you're not giving me not even the sort of money you would spend at McDonald's. You're not giving me stuff to buy luxury goods. If you loved me, if you loved God, and you appreciated what I did for you, you would give it to me. So, so he thinks that he deserves a really big chunk of people's income because he provides a service of... Of telling them why they suck. 
Well, I mean, then uh, a lot of people on the internet, internet owe me a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you want to insult me, you have to buy something from the Amazon wish list first. That's the rules. Can we put new mics on it? Do we have an Amazon wish list? You guys, I want new mics so bad. I fucking hate these mics. And Hammond doesn't have to set them up, so he doesn't care. This is true. Um, and he's not even he's not even hiding the grift. Like, he's not saying, I need to raise more money to help you, the congregation, uh, yeah. or to renovate the church, uh, or, or to, to spread, the, spread gospels, the gospels, or to donate say. it to charity. No, no, no. He's flat out saying, I need this to get a luxury watch. I Why? want stuff. <laughs> stuff rules. That's what Jesus said. Yeah. So within days, mm. uh, once that video started circulating of the clip, because again, they removed this thing online, uh-huh. the church did post a video of him apologizing. And I just want you to imagine a guy sitting at a desk with a script in hand, and it's a hostage video, because <laughs> that's what this thing was. And he basically, like, what's a good apology in this case? You would say, here's why I said it. Here's why I shouldn't have said any of those things. Mm-hmm. Here's what I'm doing to rectify the situation. He didn't say but this is. is not a slip of the tongue. No, this is no, not. This is it, not like oh, I accidentally called somebody the R slur because I was screaming and lost myself. Yeah, that's not that. That is, which I try not. I don't do. Try not to do. This is you motherfuckers. Give me more money. <laughs> I want a fucking watch. Yeah. yeah. And how could one spin that into? Well, when Jesus was asking his apostles for watches, they were like, well, we don't have a Sam's Club membership. And he's like, then get thee to Costco. <laughs> right. Get a trampoline. Um, his That's apology. what they sell at Costco's trampolines, I think. And in a pack. <laughs> um, here's what he actually said in the apology. Yeah. Though there is context oh. behind the content of the clip, no context will suffice to explain the hurt and anguish caused by my words. Dot, That's dot, good. Dot. Okay. I have also privately apologized to our church who has extended their love and support to me. Listen, no context will suffice. No kidding. But also, please take your sweet time and tell me what that context would be. If you want us to see the context, just put up the whole sermon. Let me see how you said it in context if you don't like the clip. That was taken of you, but of course they're not doing that because there's no context that makes what he said any better. I'm kind of interested to hear, I would love to hear a history of my, my shit was taken out of context when it was like, <laughs> when it's like, no, 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 yeah. you just said, I hate black people and wish they were all dead. And then that goes like, on. They're like, well, it's out of context. Like, <laughs> sir. Yeah. Tell I, us, I don't please. I think it's out of context. Do you want us to rewind five seconds? I can, Ten? listen, sir, I have all weekend. I can watch uh-huh. 48 hours straight of footage for the correct content. Yeah. Context. Um, by the way, and what's weird is like, wh- he made a rookie mistake. If you're one of those pastors who is in it for the wealth, um, like he's been, uh, oh, according yeah. to his own bio, he's been doing this since he was 17. There's no way this guy is like that young. No, I mean, the reason we have like the preachers sneakers or whatever yes. Instagram that is, is because these guys are pretty sneaky and they ask for money. Preachers and sneakers is the Instagram and page. Sneakers. Yeah. Um, Where and they it, post pictures of pastors yeah. giving a sermon and then they zoom in on the shoes they're wearing, which are not the shoes you and I wear. Oh, right. They are the shoes these that are- cost hundreds and hundreds of dollars. Here's Thousands of dollars. Close yeah. up of their watches and all that it's like is that what your goal is yeah and the reason those are effective is because those guys are quiet about their life like they tend to not be like look at all these fine goods like sometimes they do the thing with the private plane i need to be able to do whatever the hipster clothing they wear the luxury goods Mm -hmm. but they just say this is part of the prosperity gospel this is a result of god rewarding me because i'm faithful that's not what this guy was saying he skipped the faith part right He just said, I need money to buy the watches, not I need you all to have faith in me or I have to have enough faith. So then God will just find a way to give it to me, by the way, give us tithes or whatever. That's how the normal ones who are scammers do it. I would have so much money that I'm actively mad that I don't have a fancy thousand dollar watch. That's how much money I want. I want Patreon exactly goal. that money. Patreon goal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> $100,000 a month. I know. I looked up the Movado watches too and I'm like... I. 
maybe it's just me. I don't even. They don't look good. I'm not a watch person. <laughs> I like a plain you ass have a phone, watch. Right? Like, like <laughs> I have my Apple Watch, but if I have a regular watch, I want a like plain watch with a brown leather bands. Like I do not I, like. I stopped wearing it once I got a phone because I'm like, why am I looking at my wrist? I yeah. just I, my phone's in my hand anyway. Yeah, I like I haven't put it away in seven years. I mostly use my Apple Watch for finding my phone when I lose <laughs> it, and also I can play my uh, I. Uh, Podcasts. There you go. I can pause it and <laughs> rewind it when I stopped paying attention uh, too long. A Texas school district banned the Bible accidentally, kind of. Okay. Is this going to be, uh, okay. Can I just, can I just say what the story is going to be? And you yeah, tell me how right it. I am. You yeah. said this is Texas. Mm-hmm. Okay. A Texas school board, uh, outside Houston decided that, uh, they <laughs> were going specific. to, um, ban any books that had, that featured violence or sexuality, etc. And they had a list of books that that would actually apply to. And then, you know, it went into effect. And then all of a sudden, some smart-ass student or student's parent was like, um, actually, uh, the Bible, here's some verses where the Bible has all of the things that you're banning and other things. So I guess the Bible is banned. And everyone's like, what? You're not that far off. I know, because I've heard the story before. It's not Houston. It's close to Dallas. Fuck you. But basically, this is the Keller Independent School District. And it's similar. It's not quite what you said, but this is the idea. The school district has been hit by all these conservative parents who are like, get rid of this book in the curriculum or make sure kids don't have access in the school library Mm -hmm. to these books because they talk about sex or masturbation or violence or anything. So what the school district did last year is they said, like, we can't deal with all this shit. Mm -hmm. So they said, we're just going to form a committee. We're going to send all your book complaints to them (laughs) and they will decide what we do. Stop bothering us. And who are these committee members? Um, Probably who whoever they found at their church. Uh-huh. But basically, like, they had a committee that was going to look at this. And so I think there were, like, 30-some books that were challenged officially by people. They included a graphic novel adaptation of Anne Frank's Diary. Sure. Gotta uh-huh. keep that Can't out of kids' that. hands. Tony Morrison's The Bluest Eye. That is a fucked um, up book. And my favorite, and I'm quoting here, The Bible, and then in parentheses, All Versions. <laughs> Oh, I was wrong. (laughs) Like, and here's the thing. I looked at the complaint list. They did not specify why the Bible, all versions needed to be banned. They just said like, nope. And it's like, I want to know, is that an atheist parent who's trolling everybody? Is that a Christian parent who doesn't like, like the NIV Bible or like, what is it? I don't know. But that made the list. So here's the thing. Uh, the actual the Bible appeared twice on the list by two separate parents, but I don't know what the deal Wait, is. Wait, so this is parents sending in the books they want banned, or this yes. is what they had vote? Okay, they complained about these gotcha. books. And if you look at the list, this committee said like the Anne Frank's Diary, the graphic novel version, we're keeping that. The Bible, we're not getting rid of that. There were some books they did get rid of that they should not have because they include, I forgot the names, but like young adult novels that feature like a same sex crush or relationship Mm. or sex or whatever. They did ban some of those books. The committee did. They shouldn't have. That's a separate discussion. But for a lot of these, they kind of said, we looked at the issue and we do not think this should be banned Mm -hmm. or not available to students in our schools or whatever. Okay, so that's where we were at. It's so this... funny to me that people are like, high schoolers cannot read anything that has to do with sex. Like, have you met high schoolers? <laughs> they are the horniest motherfuckers <laughs> on the planet. Listen, give them a Nora Roberts romance novel and they'll calm right down. Give that... them night pleasures. I read night pleasures mm-hmm. and nobody in that class got pregnant. So... <laughs> So this week, as school is starting, the day before school started, uh, Jennifer Price, the executive director for curriculum and instruction, Mm. sent a letter, uh, sent an email to all the principals in the district saying, you need to get rid of every single challenged book from the library and your classrooms by the end of today. And then she added, even the ones that previously passed the committee's review. Which is why there were all these headlines saying Texas, a Texas school district just banned the Bible. They just banned Anne Frank's diary. They just banned all these other books. I was wrong in a really specific (laughs) way, huh? So like, here's the thing. This is the question everyone has. Like, why did you have this committee if you're not even listening to the recommendations? What's the reason you're in like a really big rush 
to get rid of and every single book. Like, what's they have not answered those questions. I mean, I assume they're trying to be better safe than sorry, but sorry about what? What do you think is going to happen? Is someone coming after your schools for something? What's going on? We don't know. Oh my God. Have you ever had that happen at work? It just happened to me recently at work and someone's like, can you do this thing really quick? I'm going to call you. And it's like, yeah, yeah, okay. And then you wait for the call and then they just disappear. And it's like, wait, I thought we were in a hurry about this thing. What happened? Let me give you one update. Uh, I'd want to, let me clarify this. There was an update from the Texas Tribune. They've said that since the committee was formed and started making its decisions, there was a school board election, and there are now three new conservative school board members. Uh, and I'm quoting here, all recipients of a Christian political action committee's donations. I'm sorry. Uh-huh. They have super PACs for school board elections? Oh, oh conservatives are all in on uh, school boards. And they were elected to the District 7 member board, and basically all the challenge books are supposed to be reviewed again. They're nixing everything the previous board did, because like they were actually taking their job seriously. Yeah, I hate that too. Um, and so this new board wants to review every challenge book, so for now they're banning everything until it gets reviewed and passes the review. I'm going to assume the Bible passes the review, but like uh, all the gay books gone, which by the way includes the Bible, but like uh, anything that mentions whatever, uh, incest, uh, genocide, they're all banned except for the Bible. Wait, um, would a uh, man offering up his daughters to be raped be something that maybe they don't think? That's called think? family values. I see. Mm-hmm. I get confused, Hammond. Thank and here's you the for thing. clearing it up. This out. board is like just caving into the conservatives who are now on their school board, and hey. so the conservatives win in that regard. And yet in Fargo, where you have a school board that seems inten- like they intentionally want to do the right thing, mm. they cave to the conservatives who are not even in their district, who they said most of the complaints, like 80% of the complaints came from outside the district. You did not say that earlier. I just remember that. But like, huh. they're caving That's into them too. So it's like, it's a lose-lose for people who actually care about students. Well, which, I mean, that's what's happening right now among conservatives. They want to destroy public education. I mean, this is a way to do it. When your goal is not, let's try to listen to everybody and make the world a better place. When your goal is make it into this thing by all means necessary, you're gonna be more, like, p- the reason, and we've talked about this before, the reason the Christian right and the GOP, which are the same now, the reason they have been so fucking effective is because they are mission driven. They take their mission seriously. It is not about what is happening in this school. It's about this school's representation for everything. And so critical race theory or whatever, uh, <sighs> They have a goal, and the we don't. Atheists don't. Liberals don't. Or leftists. we do, but we don't have the manpower or the organization behind it. I mean, but I would argue that if you, I think if you put any, you know, 20 GOP, hardcore GOP supporters in a room, they all have the same, like, five things, right? Christian nationalism, you know, own the libs guns, Bibles, whatever. If you put 20 liberals in the same room, it's pandemonium. Nobody can agree on fucking shit. And so... Because there's so many issues to address that doesn't involve, let's just hurt these 12 people or whatever. We don't have this sort of, like, sense of... We're not mission-driven in that, like, this is a gift, a thing from God. Like we're trying to make the world better for like right. human beings, I mean, but we don't Democrats have the run the gamut from like AOC to Joe Manchin. And they had to agree on right. a climate bill. Right. And that's a hard thing to do to get them to agree. Cause they're all not going to get the thing they believe they need, right. but they had to do it. Whereas Republicans are much more one note. Right. Like Liz Cheney is an anomaly on one issue. Same with Kinzinger. Most of them are on the same page about pretty much everything. Everything. So it's very easy to get them to, for Tucker Carlson to go on TV and say, you guys Mm -hmm. make the midterm elections about brown people and crime Mm -hmm. and we'll be done. Just say that and nothing Mm -hmm. else, which is literally what he did this week. Even though all the, wait, but he told them their marching orders. These are the issues you must campaign on. Don't talk about anything else. Brown people, huh? Immigration, border walls, shit. Like, that's it. wait. 
we haven't heard a ton about immigration oh, lately. Oh, you're about to. The caravans are coming. Oh, yeah, that's right, because we have an election coming. Oh, mm-hmm. my God, the election is so close. The caravan mm-hmm. is on its way up. Um, let's talk about the Southern Baptist Her semi-annual convention. or biannual caravan. <laughs> uh, the Department of Justice says it's investigating the Southern Baptist Convention. Okay. Yeah, that sounds exciting. I'm into this. (laughs) So some backstory to understand like why they're doing this, because you're going to hear Christian persecution come up Mm -hmm. and it has nothing to do with that. The short backstory here is back in 2019, the Houston Chronicle and the San Antonio Express News basically published the first of several articles um, from a long investigation into Southern Baptist churches. Okay. Remember, this is not like the Catholic Church with the hierarchy. There is no pope at the top. Right. It's like a loose affiliation of thousands and thousands of churches that does have a kind of management system. Right. And they all hate each other. Uh-huh. So what the Texas newspapers found were that over the past decade, more than 250 staffers or volunteers had been charged with sex crimes against more than 700 victims and that was just what they could find whoops and the thing is the sbc is like well we can't control them we can't tell our churches to fire people we don't have that sort of leverage right but also they're part of your thing you're not doing anything about this that included by the way the reporting found their international mission board this is like the umbrella group running this They have a budget of $158 million, which they get because those member churches pay some money to Uh the parent group. Um, They found that several members of the International Mission Board were credibly accused of abuse and that several other members helped cover it all up. And the thing is, like, are you really, Southern Baptists, are you really telling us you had no idea that it was this widespread and that you can't do anything about it? You know what would be really weird? Do you guys, like, have a list of all the accusations among leaders, That'd be volunteers? That'd a good place to start. And they were like, we, we don't. We can't. How could we? They're legal liability. So the newspapers built their own directory of oh. bad actors um, because journalism. the Southern Baptists weren't doing it. But remember, the Southern Baptists then, because there was such an outcry Mm. among some Southern Baptist leaders, that the board said, fine, we're going to hire an outside group to investigate us. We will participate in it. We will take their, like, whatever they find. They did release those findings. We discussed those findings. And what they basically found is there is a pattern of covering up or downplaying abuse. Mm -hmm. There is an environment where Southern Baptist victims cannot get justice. Mm -hmm. We learned that SBC leaders actively avoided calls for reform. That, oh, by the way, they do keep a private list of alleged sex offenders. They knew who the bad apples were. They said nothing publicly. And the report even said, and I'm quoting here, the latest iteration of the table contains the name of 703 abusers with 409 believed to be SBC affiliated, as in not like volunteers or other people. So all this happened. The the Southern Baptist leaders are like, we're totally going to accept these recommendations. We're going to pour money into having like uh, an independent group that can handle any accusations that come in. Mm -hmm. Okay, we'll see how that actually works. And then this week... Friday, last Friday, the Department of the SBC announced that the Department of Justice is investigating them. They said it will include multiple SBC entities. All right. Like their international mission board, I guess. Okay. And they said individually and collectively, each SBC entity is resolved to fully and completely cooperate with the investigation. The Southern Baptists are saying we're totally going to comply We are like, don't be mad at us for not for trying to get in the way of this. We're cooperating, which I think made some Southern Baptists very mad because right now they all hate the feds. But what are they actually what's the what's the Department of Justice doing? And according to Religion News Service, they spoke to a former FBI agent who actually works as executive director of the Office of Child Protection Mm. for the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops because they need an Office of Child Protection. Yeah. And they said, like, why is the why are the feds coming after the SBC? She said, if I were still in law enforcement, I'd want to take a hard look at the report myself, the independent report, uh-huh. and see if there's anything of potential value to prosecutors in terms of bringing criminal charges against an offender, or if there's anything that law enforcement needs to do in order to prevent a crime. 
She also said the Department of Justice generally gets involved only when a federal crime may have occurred or when, like, when victims are transported across state lines. Right. So, like, they're going to go through, like, oh, all these allegations of sexual abuse, child sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. It's one thing to for the Southern Baptist to kind of cover it up or ignore it. But if there was a crime committed mm-hmm. and no one investigated it, right. maybe for religious reasons right. or because it was covered up, you need someone to investigate. And usually that's a local police that'll do it. But again, if they were transported across state lines, yeah, now the federal. feds can get involved. So that's what they're doing. We don't know where it's going to lead. I am happy to see the Southern Baptist say we're totally going to cooperate. Good. Whether they will actually do that in practice is another question. But very interesting uh, development. Hmm. Hmm, hmm, hmm. Um, do you want to hear the dumbest story I heard all week? Oh, It's also my favorite. Great. Um, because it's just so... Okay, here's the tweet. This is from a Southern Baptist leader... Uh, church leader okay. named Josh Buice, B-U-I-S-C-E, uh, Juice with a B. So here's what he wrote. I want you to ask yourself, what is this in reference to? I'm rather lighthearted. Just ask my staff. But when it comes to theology, there is no room for ambiguity that appears to be blasphemy. You could have been clear, but you chose a different route. That was his tweet. What the hell is he talking about? Um, was he talking about somebody using a, a lowercase h when referring to God? <laughs> uh, that probably okay. that's probably you tell so me like, now. again blasphemy. He's using the word blasphemy. Yeah, okay. Using, uh, here's part two. Lowercase we'll, h when calling God a him is <laughs> blasphemous. We will link Stated these two by this together. very good guess. Here's a tangent. Yeah. There's a Christian evangelist named Beth Moore. Uh-huh. Really popular among yeah. a lot of Christian women. She preaches about the Bible. Preaches might actually be the wrong word. She teaches about the Bible because Southern Baptists say women w- cannot the be chill preachers. One or is she one of the bad ones? She's one of the chill ones okay. as far as Southern Baptists go. Right. Because in terms of her beliefs, I forget the We're grading on a curve here. We're very much grading on a curve. She's chill when it comes to Southern Baptists and really horrible when it comes to all people Humans with um, exactly so she has been publicly critical of donald trump and the southern baptists like how they've basically adopted a right-wing agenda mm. she's been critical of all that stuff she's called out their racism and the sexual abuse scandal that we just talked about she said all that stuff and last year she said i can't even call myself a southern baptist anymore yes i do remember this um so that all happened mm-hmm. now what does she actually think about like Gay people, trans people, it's not great. Sure, sure. (laughs) Like, she's still a conservative. That's why she's on that part of the human spectrum. Mm -hmm. But great among Southern Baptists. Uh, So, as it turns out, because Southern Baptists believe only men ought to be preaching, uh, they don't like her. Mm. So when she left last year, the denomination, they're like, yes, please leave. Yeah, let the door hit you on the way out. Yes. Some people say for what it's worth, that she hasn't criticized the SBC strongly enough. Sure. You're you're treating them with kid gloves. Like, we have done more to criticize the SBC than she has. But she has a stature among Christian women that Mm -hmm. is way more powerful. And we're heroes, so nobody should be able to be compared to us. Exactly. She's not an LGBTQ ally by any means. She's also rabidly Mm -hmm. anti-abortion, but whatever. Among Southern Baptists, she's... Fine. (laughs) So here's what she tweeted that got everyone up in arms. All right. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. She apparently grew grapes in her garden, like at her house. Okay. So she posted a picture of grapes at her house. Okay. And she said, I'm growing grapes for reals. It's like a miracle in 50 chillion degree weather. If Jesus is trying to get me to have a crush on him, it's working. Yikes. I mean, very Christianese. Like I'm rolling my eyes. Yeah, ooh. but the thing she I'm said sorry, is, I can't take this look off my face. Yeah, give me I the know. Yucks. I know. But basically, all she crush. said is, "Look, I made a thing in my garden. It is beautiful." Is it because it she happened- called it a miracle? No, it's oh. because she said, oh, "Jesus, are you trying to get me to have a crush on you?" Which is truly, in all the Christian weirdnesses, I've never heard of this sort of like coy sexuality <laughs> applied to Jesus? Except you have, because have what I? do what Are do Christians sure? say all the time? It's uh, like, Jesus we are husband, the, yeah, we're the, the bride. bride. We're the bride of Christ. Our church is the, the bride church of Christ. The church is the bride of Christ. Um, they very much are like talking about how much they love Jesus. He is 
uh, the third person in the bedroom with us on wedding day. I don't know. Mm. They say a lot of weird, creepy stuff about Jesus. And you know the weird sexualized pictures of Jesus that they paint and are on Reddit everywhere. Oh, my God. But basically the backlash she got for that tweet. I'm just going to... These are random no names, but like, crush? How about you love him by changing your evil ways? Evil? Yeah. Where is the fear and reverence of God? Someone else. Not sure who you think Jesus is, but I can guarantee you he isn't interested in foolish infatuation or shallow love or affection. Yeah. I mean... Uh, Jesus is not your boyfriend. No good guys here, <laughs> huh? I can't think of whose side I'm on. This is Someone all else weird. Said, Jesus is not your boyfriend or your homeboy. <laughs> they use these words to describe her. Toxic, blasphemer, abominable. Whoa, wait, do you remember in the early aughts that Jesus is my homeboy, marries my homegirl shirts? <laughs> yeah, that was in, like that and trucker hats. Well, they were joking. She said it seriously, I'm you guys. I'm not 100% sure everybody was joking. I'm fairly sure they were trying to do like cool Christianity. Yeah. So this week, uh, Moore posted something else, <laughs> probably reacting to all the backlash, because mm-hmm. it's not like she's new to backlash. She gets it all the time. Sure, sure, sure. She said, some of y'all might as well know you won't be getting any grape jelly from me for Christmas, and don't whine to me if you're crushed about it either. That's pretty funny. Tee hee. All right. Listen, I'm still, I'm still listen, rolling my eyes. That's... That's fine. Fine, fine wordplay. So enter Josh Buise, oh, I thought this the Southern the end Baptist of this story. pastor, who has said for years Southern Baptists should basically avoid Didn't her. Did you say and it's juice them. with a B? Spelled that way. Oh, I thought you said it was I pronounced no that way, and then we're just saying it wrong to be an asshole. Did not care to look up how That's to pronounce fair. this guy's name. So he says, he, he takes a picture of that tweet, the jokey Christmas grape mm-hmm. jelly one, and says, when I pointed out that Beth Moore shouldn't be crushing on the son of God, blah, 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 uh, she said some of us wouldn't be receiving any of her grape Christmas jelly. Someone in our church gifted me with an early Christmas present last night. Takes a picture. It's grape jelly. Is it like Welch's? Like- yeah, basically. Or homemade. I don't know. But he's like, look, okay. I got grape jelly anyway. To which she responds, because this is, this is a kerfuffle. so boring. I know. Sorry. Sorry. She says, okay, Josh, but it won't near- be nearly as good as mine. Why are you making me listen to this? I know. P.S. You're going to have to learn to lighten up a little bit. I was being silly, and I think even you knew that. You may as well get used to me. We'll have eternity together. I enjoyed that. To oh, which, the ride that took me on was lovely. To which he, a normal dude, uh-huh, responds by saying, I am very lighthearted, just ask my staff. But when it comes to theology, there's no room for ambiguity that appears to be blasphemy. You could have been clear, but you chose a different route. End of story. Bow. They are so boring. <laughs> the boring shit wanna, they argue about. Just to be clear, racism, not a not problem for a this guy. Problem. Anti-LGBTQ hate, doesn't care. He welcomes it. Destroying democracy, mm. sure, bring it on. The sexual state gets ab- to decide if yeah. you have a baby or not. Perfect, yeah. love it. Sexual no abuse, what sexual abuse? But Beth Moore talking about crushing on Jesus because of grapes? Son of a bitch, that is blasphemy. You scared the dog when you pounded the table, sorry, Hammond. Sorry. She's so tiny. Aw. Let me, I'll, I'll try to close out. I'm trying to rush through the last bit of these yeah, stories Yeah, we've here. got a hard out, and hard I have out. some stories for you in the All bonus right. episode. Um, American Atheists yep. uh, had recently filed a lawsuit, well, a couple of years ago, against Arkansas State Senator Jason Rapert. Remember him? Christian nationalist put up a Ten Commandments monument outside the state the capitol building. The guy who building. I have to know who he is, even though he's a fucking state senator. Yes. Uh, he ran for Republican governor in Arkansas How do you and do? lost the GOP primary because no. even he wasn't insane enough for them. Yeah, so he's gone as of wait, wait, January. He gave up his seat to run for governor. He lost the GOP primary. Did He'll he be lose gone it to somebody year. further right or further left uh, than him? Oh, oh, definitely not further left, but someone who's probably more electable because uh, oh, okay. not as crazy, but gotcha. still secretly crazy. Um, anyway, this guy had blocked a bunch of atheists sure. on Twitter and Facebook because, like, they're, they say they say honest things, and he doesn't like that. Mm-hmm. So he blocked them all, and he's like, they were mean to me. Sure. It's like, sure, buddy. But also, he said, I did this on my personal account, like, at Jason Rapert or whatever. Okay. And basically, American Atheist said, buddy, that's not your personal account. That's the account you use as your public account. Yeah. And Donald Trump tried to do that on Twitter, and the court said, you can't either because you can't block your 
constituents, they need to know what you're doing. Yeah. And also, you're a public official. Like, it's one thing to ban someone who's harassing you, Mm -hmm. but people being critical of you, people wanting to find out what you're doing, you legally cannot do that. Yeah. And just because you use your personal account as your public one, and there's really no difference between the two, that's not an excuse. You can't do it. So basically, they fought over this, and all he had to do was go to the Twitter menu option and be like, unblock, unblock, mute. Like, it would have been that easy. Yeah, he could have muted them, yeah. He went to court over this, and basically, over the course of a couple years, earlier this month, a judge said, all right, if you want to fight this, we're going to do discovery. I need to know what you've been emailing people. I need to know what you've said about these Mm -hmm. people. And all of a sudden, he caved (gasps) fast. So this week, they announced a settlement. Okay. And basically, the state, because he was sued in his capacity as a state senator and mm. not as a private person, okay. uh, the state of Arkansas has to pay American Atheist $16,000 for legal costs and other things. Love it. He has to unblock them. If he wants to block people in the future, he has to, like, ask parents for permission, basically. <laughs> um all of this because he couldn't just be a man or whatever you want to say. Like, be an adult, a, an adult and just unblock your critics. He couldn't handle it. Um, and it's the funniest damn thing ever. They're so sensitive. So sensitive. So sensitive. Um, there are other things, but maybe we can hold off on those until mm-hmm. next time. Where do we find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jess Blumke. Um, also, I want to do a little uh, a tease, as we call it in the industry. This next week, I have an interview coming up with somebody who I'm very, 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 very excited to speak to um, in the uh, arts and entertainment world. You're going to like it. I will not believe that I got this interview until this person is sitting in front of my screen. (laughs) Um, But I am very excited. And now my palms are sweating because I'm thinking about it too much. Very cool. We will tell you more about that as soon as we can. Yeah. Um, You can always email us at friendlyatheistpodcast at gmail.com. Go to patreon.com slash friendlyatheistpodcast to support the show. Yeah. You can always review us on iTunes. And I think that's And that's that's always helpful. And find me at Meta on Twitter. Mm. And you can find Jess on Twitter at... I did mine. Just one game. All right. Okay. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.